0: That A squared 386. Um, travel around the world. We got a guy in LA, a guy in the UK, and Alexander Candle and Boston. Texas. Hi.
1: How's it going? Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, nice um nice to meet
0: you. Nice to meet you too. Really, a real pleasure. You know, um, honestly, Alexander, I love what you do. Not just, you know, as an actress, you're a great actress who, you know, um, you started on your own show, you've been on many shows and uh, but I love what you do outside of the acting world, too. You know, you have many hobbies and interests. And um, mm-hmm. let's jump right into it. So you started your own podcast, um, the Her Voice her voice podcast. And yes. uh, tell us a bit about how that started for you.
1: Well, it was kind of, um, it branched off of Her Voice, which is a part of Mammoth Film Festival. It's the female filmmaker initiative. Um, I'm the festival manager. Uh, and one of the original five team members of um, the festival, of Mammoth Film Festival. And so we decided that we needed our own female filmmaker initiative, which we call Her Voice. And from that, we thought that the best way to kind of um, implement a little bit of maybe change or or just have a platform, um, we wanted to create a podcast. And that's what we did.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, how cool, you know, um, why uh, specifically like, uh, her voice? What is it about, you know, Why? how did that start? You know, I know it's part of the Mammoth Film Festival, but what's like the origins of it all?
1: Well, yeah. I think, you know, it, we started Mammoth. It was like right around when everything kind of started happening with like the big push for gender parity. And, um, and so and like times up and and all of that and and obviously like it was really important to the guys and to me to do a program that really supports um female filmmakers and uh so yeah we 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 felt the need to create a space for for women and help them to you know be connected to other women um you know and and I think Last year, this past year at Mammoth, I did um, an event and we did like a mentorship aspect. That was the first year we did that. And I, I teamed up our panelists with um, emerging female filmmakers. And it was a hit because they had the opportunity to sit with these women for, for 20 minutes and and chat with them about their projects and then go off and, and continue the relationship. So um, yeah, I'm pretty proud of it. It's pretty cool.
0: I will say, like, how cool, because, you know, in the film world, um, a lot of filmmakers um, are male, you know, and you see these Hollywood yeah. circles,
2: <laughs> and they're mostly male
0: Hollywood circles, you know. But yeah. what I love about what you've been able to do is you've really been able to find all these, you know, great female uh, filmmakers and, like, really shine a spotlight on them and also bring them together. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, let them know each other in uh support each other that's the
1: thing it's like the women we we need to support each other and yeah it's hard like it's been hard for me just to kind of like kick down doors to try and you know as I'm directing now it's like it's it's hard like as a woman you have to do so much more to prove yourself and to say that you're qualified and 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 so it's 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 a uphill climb but you know we're making strides there's certainly I think now there's like Maybe five years ago, there was like 7% of women that were directing on television. And now I think it's like 23%, which like still isn't that, I mean, it's a big jump, but it's still 23 out of a hundred percent is still not quite there. (laughs) Right, It is a
0: huge jump though in the past couple of years. And, you know, um, I look forward to it, uh, you know, keep growing because, you know, different, you know, diverse voices actually make diverse content, which is really cool. I want to see new things, not the same
3: things over and over again. Right.
1: Yep. <laughs>
3: exactly. Um, yeah, and I think moving moving forward, that's like, that's how it's, it's like, the path is going in that direction. It's becoming more diverse because that's what people are re- requesting. And mm-hmm. okay, although like twenty three percent isn't a large number, the pro the, the 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 better measurement is the progress that's happening. So from seven to twenty three in one year, that's actually a big jump compared to like the history of of how uh, female, uh, like women direct filmmakers have been represented in the sure. past.
2: Yep, Yeah, exactly.
3: I think we maybe have to be a bit like, uh, we shouldn't place so much pressure on ourselves. I mean, especially, obviously, women, uh, female filmmakers, they shouldn't place so much pressure on themselves to make that massive jump to directly, you know, like 50 percent, 60 percent representation, because like it's a slow build. It's a slow build up and yeah. in everything especially in, the, in an industry that's heavily saturated. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's like really saturated. It's not that easy to just get All into right.
1: it. Yeah, exactly. Well,
2: uh, let me ask you,
3: Alexander.
0: So you are part of the Mammoth Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to tell us like, um, how that got started? And then also what, um, what films <laughs> really shine through you know, in a film festival situation? i've sure. watched many many films oh yeah <laughs> can tell me about it
1: yeah uh well the festival started five years ago um tanner beard and tom Mansori they um got together tanner had this idea for a film festival he came because mammoth is a is very near and dear to him i'm i'm forgetting why now but um <laughs> some of my best friends i forget i don't know um <laughs> And uh, and him and Tama came together and they they wanted to start this film festival. You know, I think one of the things that we pride ourselves on is like, we're a film festival um, by filmmakers for filmmakers Uh and so, or for filmmakers by filmmakers. Um, So we, you know, Tanner has had films everywhere, all over the world. Um, And, you know, he's produced a, a bunch of films. And so he has a bunch of experience in film at film festivals. And so he kind of wanted to create his own and 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 do it in a way that created more of a community for, for filmmakers. And so that's, like I said, we pride ourselves on creating this community and this accessibility for people. Um, we have big name talent and big name executive producers and executives at our festival that are accessible to emerging filmmakers and, you know, we hope that we can maintain that as we continue to grow. We are very fortunate that, like, in our first few years, we've been able to get those names, and then it's just easy because it is a smaller festival to kind of bring these people together. But the hope is to continue to grow and then also continue that. Uh, but um, the movies, yeah, yes. I mean, I'm so we watched, oh my gosh, I
2: didn't make a good movie. Yeah, we watched exactly. so
1: many short films. <laughs> and so many features and we watch a lot of good ones and a lot of bad ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, you can't say they're, I mean, you can't say they're bad because it's, everybody's trying and everybody's like putting, you know, putting forth their like best foot forward. However, some of them need help um, <laughs> and some work. But uh, but that's the point of like short film, right? Like people are learning, They're they're just, throwing it against a wall and seeing if it sticks. So like, um, I think when we judge and when we watch, so we don't judge the finals, we we watch all of the submissions and then say which ones get in. And then we have a, a, a group of judges who actually like pick the winners. But f- for our submissions, one of the biggest things that we look at is like, you know, we understand that not everybody has a massive budget to work with, you know, like, there, there might be a, sh- and I'm talking shorts more so, but like there might be a short that's like a $1,000 short and the quality may not be that great, but the story is great. The characters are great. The acting is great. So we really kind of weigh it out in that way because then on the other front, you can have something that looks amazing, but it's like, not a great story, it's poorly acted, it's poorly executed. And so we really kind of have to like check ourselves and remember that these a lot of these are emerging filmmakers and they don't necessarily have the means to hire an amazing DP who can make it look amazing for a thousand bucks, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, They don't have the resources, but I think as far as features go, we, it's stuff that moves us. It's stuff that really makes us feel something and feel like it's entertaining or, you know, it's a great story. Um yeah, I mean we just kind of okay. go on a on a it's like case by case. Not
0: uh, not to um, you know, switch it too much, but you, you kinda said so acting and stories are kind of the two things that when you watch and regardless, you know, the quality could vary with the uh, cinematography, but as long as those two those two things are there, um, you know, it makes a great story. And yeah. from what I understand, <laughs> um, you know, you've had a great history of acting and now you want to move into the directing world, right? Mm-hmm. And direct your own TV. Um, what is it? Why, um, why are you going in that direction more as opposed to going more in the acting direction?
1: Well, I mean, I, I'm 35. I started acting mm-hmm. when I was 16 and I I had a lot of success in my late teens and my 20s. And And then the industry changed. The industry has changed so drastically since I started. And and I kind of like have seen the industry change in waves um, for a while. And I just kind of hit a point where the business of acting just kind of started to not feel good for me anymore. Um, But then also too, you know, when I did Lion Game, I played two roles and it was the first job that I ever did where I actually was, On set for so long that I really got to see what was going on behind the scenes and, you know, being in almost every scene and some of them with yourself, like you have to have a really good communication with the guest director and with the DP. And so that's where I learned. And I was like, I could do this, like I could direct. I, you know, I had that like brain anyway, like I was thinking like a director and thinking like a producer. And so I I started shadowing because I wanted to educate myself. I didn't want to just be like an actor who wanted to direct and then that was it. So um I really put in the work and I I worked hard and and the bottom line is is like I just felt like I had more to offer. Like I I wanted, I was feeling unfulfilled acting. Um I still love to act, I still audition. Um, but directing for me, like when I'm on set, I feel like I'm in my purpose and I in I just enjoy it. Um, it's hard, like it's hard to break into. Like I just got into the Sony directors program, which is and amazing. Congrats. Yeah, and
3: thank you. On that. Yeah. Um yeah, congratulations.
1: Thank you. But you know, after that, it still doesn't guarantee me an episode right. of television. Like it's uh-huh. I still have to do it myself and and you know, work really hard. But but yeah, I just kind of I just felt like i had i had more in me than just like and also too i wanted to take more control of my life like i it sucks auditioning and like waiting for somebody to give you a job and and that's your life like you wait to audition and then you wait to get an answer whether you got the job or not and and when you get a lot of no's which like every actor does it's just you know you have to find something else to do with your life in right. the meantime not not to say <laughs> forever but like there's got to be other yeah. things you know mm-hmm.
3: yeah <laughs> so, so i kind of so hit you, that point so you said that you've been starting since you were uh acting since you were 16 and that alone sounds you know like it's a well i obviously had the acting business is crazy by itself but starting off at such a at a, a young age in your teens like what are are some of the crazy shit that you've been seeing (laughs) i'm pretty sure you've been like exposed to a lot of uh, interesting stories and like experiences so i don't know if you if you want to share any or talk about it
1: i'm trying to think well the thing is is like i did my first pilot my first tv pilot when i was 16 but i was still in high school and i was still kind of just like nor like in a normal life i wasn't really like a child actor we i did a pilot I grew up in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, which is like an hour and 20 minutes outside of New York City. So I was auditioning all through high school. And then I booked this pilot. I flew to LA with my mom for like three weeks to shoot it. It didn't get picked up. So then I just kind of like auditioned in high school, but had a normal life. And then it wasn't until I booked a soap opera, booked As the World Turns when I was 18, just turning 19. And that was crazy because I was living in the dorms. I was in New York at school. I moved out of the dorms into my own apartment. And I had never really been exposed to a lot of the things that I was exposed to. So, um, and I will say, like, those were the days, you know, that was, like, 2006.
2: The 2000s. Yeah, (laughs) but those
1: were the days, like, before me too and before all that everything happened and everybody kind of started getting really like um careful on set and and i say that only because like the shit that we talked about and the shit that was said in the makeup room and in the hair room like <laughs> you know i learned that you know i had yeah. my first experience uh you know my first friendship with like an openly gay man you know like all of these things that y- you don't really think about uh, but looking back, I was like, wow, living in New York during that time period and being on that show and being exposed to, like, all different walks of life and, and all of that, like, really kind of shaped who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it was just, I don't know. I I, don't, I can't think of, like, specific stories, but I do remember that time in my life was, like, was was very important and very kind of crazy to think back on because I also was like very lonely. Like I was living in New York yeah. by myself. I couldn't go out to bars to drink really. If I wanted to go out, I had to like go to a club with a promoter because he could sneak me in. Like it was just a very weird, very lonely shady time. Yeah. Um, like I would work all day and then like go home and eat dinner by myself and go to bed, learn my lines and like do it all over again the next day.
2: Oh
3: wow.
1: Um, so, you know- yeah.
3: No. So mentally, not mentally,
1: really
2: to like, answer
3: your question, but it kind of like no, gives uh,
1: insight to what my life was like at 19. <laughs>
3: and like, what kind of approach mentally did you have to, to that lifestyle, obviously? And then eventually you hit 21, and then your 20s, like meeting all these different people, and like not expect, like not expecting to meet these kind of people in that industry, because right. I feel like you have to have a very open mind to mm-hmm. be able to like just accept what's happening. Yeah. like oh fuck what what's going on here you know
1: yeah well i think like you know even though i grew up like in pennsylvania and i i wasn't like super sheltered i i i mean i knew about i, I had a pretty open family and and you know i i wasn't i was aware of things um i was just introduced to them, like right in my face very quickly, um, being on the soap opera. And I feel like, yeah, I I had to have an open mind, but I also, there was a part of me that because I was used to what I was used to, I was also very shy. It's interesting because like, I'm, I'm an introvert. Um, I can be outgoing uh, when I need to be, but My default is usually shy and introverted. It's interesting because you have a
0: podcast and you meet people and you bring people together and a dinner party and you're hanging out. I (laughs) know, I know.
1: Well, it's, 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 uh, here's the thing. I'm also like a Leo and I'm also very, like I'm a leader. So when it's me kind of like being the leader, I can like lock in and, and really do it. But it's just like when I'm in a group of people that I don't know, I get very shy and I get very introverted. So there was a lot of growth there for me, trying to be open, but also like, you know, understanding that, I don't know, I, I can't e- it's hard to explain, but you know what I'm saying, I guess. I don't know. Right. I'm not answering your question. Um, just, <laughs> ask me another one. I'll ask, you, I'll ask you a different
0: one. I'll ask you a different one. So I just wanna not to go on this too much, you know, I'd like to move on after this, but just, um, when you were, you know, so young, 16, 17, 18, and, uh, you know, you were, you know, all about <laughs> uh, acting and, you know, um, you know, being on TV, you know, there's a great documentary of you, you know,
3: oh starting out in your
0: first year and, you <laughs> know, loving Freddie Prince Jr. and the whole, you know, Hollywood celebrity life. And, and I mean, you knew back then, right, that, you know, acting's all about waiting <laughs> to audition, to waiting to get the role. I don't think yeah. that's changed since you know all of all of acting you know that's pretty much been consistent, but um was it like uh what else has like uh changed for you like how come like back then you were more you know excited for it but now you're like, okay, I want to create my own opportunities
1: well. <laughs> I've gotten old and jaded. (laughs) 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 Um, The industry can jade you very quickly. Um, Well, I think it's...
0: Sorry, and and when you talk about the changes in Hollywood, I'm curious to know what uh, you mean about that. Because from what I understand, Hollywood's getting better for, uh, you know, people, especially like women and diverse people. Um, So this is, you know, a little confusing. It doesn't match really for me. Yeah.
1: Well... I think, so the first part of that, the answer is when I was younger, um, like I said, things, I was very fortunate. Um, I I booked a soap opera. I did that for two years. Um, I didn't even, I didn't even want it when I got it. Like I was like, I don't even think I want to be in a soap opera. So it was a very like, I think when you're younger, you're, you don't need it, you know? Like I could have just stayed in college and like I didn't have to make money and I didn't have to like pay rent. I didn't have to do any of that. Like the pressures of being an adult weren't quite there yet. So it was mm-hmm. like, all right, I'm gonna take the soap opera. I made a good amount of money. And then after the soap, I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing this. Like this is my career now. And which I was like totally happy. And I knew that I needed to leave New York and go to LA. Cause at the time, Um, you had to be in LA, like New York was fine, you had like Law & Order and a couple of other shows, but like ultimately LA was the place you needed to be to succeed. So I moved to LA and I did like one or two guest stars Um, and I actually ended up moving back to New York because I hated LA so much Mm -hmm. and I did a movie and then I went back to LA and I didn't work for like a year. But like in that time, I thought not working for a year was like so long. Um, cut to like wow. now I haven't worked in a long time and I like, hey, shit, <laughs> a year would have been really great. Um, but, and then I booked Lion Game and so, and then after Lion Game, it was How like, cool. I booked a pilot and then I booked another pilot after that, that didn't get picked up. So it was like my twenties were easy. I will say, you know, like I was super fortunate in the sense that like work was coming. Um, and I think, For me, the pressure was less so um, because I had money coming in and, you know, I lived a pretty modest life. So it wasn't like I was like spending money really quickly. Like, so I think, I think the pressures were different. I think as I got older, it became more of a serious thing of like, I need to support myself. I need to like, you know, make enough money so I can live. And, and, and quite frankly, like I ran out of money. You know, like it, it got really hard. And, and so it was around that time too, where like the, you know, it was like, if you imagine, um, like a hourglass with like the sand going through, right, the yeah. sand, I'm like watching the sand go oh, down no. like, as my bank account goes down and I'm like, no. I'm out of time.
2: <laughs> what and it happened, right? Like, sure. So
1: there's so much pressure.
2: Yeah. Wow.
1: Um, the second part of that is during Lion Game, there were, like, the whole first part of my 20s, there was no Instagram. There was no nothing. So, um, I mean, there's Facebook, but, like... Yeah. So, <laughs> even during Lying Game, Instagram... I think I joined Instagram the second season of Lying Game. And and at that point, it was, like, whatever. It wasn't a thing. And so, I saw a huge change. And, unfortunately, Lion Game wasn't on long enough to get me, like, a million followers, right? So... We just missed the boat. And so, unfortunately, like, as I started auditioning for other things and as, like, influ- like followers, it wasn't influencing yet, it was, like, followers, that became a thing. Whoa. Like, I would lose jobs because somebody else had more followers than me. So that became like a huge thing. I would be in audition rooms and that girl next to me was like a Vine celebrity, but has never acted on a show in her life. And they would give her the job over me because she has X amount of followers and she's like known for like whatever, but you can't carry a show. And so that started happening and I was losing out on work because of it and like i said i'd missed the boat of like getting the followers from my tv show so then like how do you grow a following unless you're doing like vine shit you know um so so that kind of changed things and then um and then for me personally like i also it sounds stupid, and I'm dealing with this now. I'm 35, I don't look 35, I look younger than what I am. I always have, and so I oh, I started to slip through the cracks where like I would audition for things, but I wouldn't be right for it because I would look too young, or they would want me to go in for like an 18 year old, and I was 28 and I was like, I don't want to play an 18 year old, <laughs> so it was like this weird. So things just started really changing in that way, and mm-hmm. and you know. And then, and then, you know, the diversity push came. And, and for a while, like, it hit really, really hard. And so, like, you know, um, I wasn't even in rooms because I was white, which is fine. But at the same time, it's like, well, now we're so far on this side of things that I'm not even getting auditions. So it just, like, it really took its toll.
0: Yeah. Um, that was an amazing insight, Alexander. Thanks for, you know, sharing all that. Sure. Uh, you know, when when I watch a movie, the first thing I think, oh, how many subscribers, how many followers does this person have, right? I'm just being sarcastic here. <laughs> yeah. It's, if so it's like. It doesn't um,
1: translate. Either, it doesn't
0: translate, way. right? I mean, no wonder what movies are getting and shows are, you know, may not be the best because <laughs> if that's how they're casting people based on, you know, the number of followers, it doesn't translate to how good of an actor you, you were, you know? Kind of wish back for the 2000s days when <laughs> at least there right. wasn't social media back then.
1: I think How it's changing now a little bit. I think people are realizing that the model doesn't translate. Like mm-hmm. if you hire somebody because they have 20 million followers, it doesn't necessarily mean that those 20 million followers are going to watch that person in a movie, you know, like it doesn't necessarily translate. Watching a, a 15 second story is a little different than watching a two hour movie.
3: Right. You know, it's interesting that you, when you said the diversity push uh, happened, that uh, white women were cast aside. Like for me, it doesn't make sense because like women should be also included in that uh, in that push. So like, I'm I'm a bit uh, confused. Like, why <laughs> why were they cast aside? Like, what's what's the situation?
1: Well, there were just no roles. Like every they changed every role to a diverse role. So. Okay. So they weren't even auditioning, like, and it wasn't just white women; it was right. white men too.
0: We need, yeah, we just need more roles and more people and all that, all that jazz. I don't tea. know. I still,
3: yes. I still <laughs> see like white men in the blockbusters all the time. So like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like I know. they're well. There. I'm
1: talking more, like, I'm, TV. I'm talking more TV world, <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, it's it, it was an interesting thing because, like, the first year that it happened, it was one of those things where. Like Hollywood has this way of like overcorrection, right? And overcompensating mm. where then they wouldn't even, and, and this is my biggest thing with, with what has been going on in Hollywood with the diversity is I think we need it. I think we need representation. I think that we're getting there now. Like, you know, look at CODA and look at all of these right. cool. movies that are coming out. Like representation mm-hmm. is so important and it matters. However, I think those first few years of this diversity push, What was happening is these these executives were just taking roles that were written for white people and just changing them black or changing them Hispanic or change. So they weren't even written for that group. They were just like flip flopped to check Mm -hmm. the box. Right. And Mm so. And that's not representation. That's not telling a story based off of that that group or you know that person of color, it's it's just saying, okay, well we'll just we have to meet a quota. So here it's we're just a gonna color that
3: change. Person like, in there. You exactly. know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> right, and exactly. and
1: it doesn't it doesn't serve the story.
0: Mm-hmm. So, it's all about serving the story. Yeah.
1: Right. And so mm-hmm. now at least like we're kind of like starting to get to a place now where like mm-hmm. at least the stories that are being told are serving those people, like the group of that, you know, that the the people of color that they're trying to tell the story about um it's it's getting better mm-hmm. but for a while you know and that's frustrating too when you're like okay like this was meant to be played by x and now they're just throwing y in there and like that doesn't make sense either
3: right that's, <laughs> how it was. that's hollywood for you. <laughs> makes no sense <laughs> i've also noticed in the diversity which is that due to the lack of rep- proper representation like you were mentioning how they just change the color and like place in the tv shows um a lot of the a lot of these like independent filmmakers just started creating their own shows or like yeah. short films and like we've been talking to some of them recently in, in our past couple of episodes and they've been telling us like they just wanted to create their own like their own thing so that it can actually properly talk about their communities or their traditions or their cultures so for example uh filmmakers from india and like talking about uh, when the Punjabi or Sikh um, communities that mm-hmm. are living in the U.S. or something like that, and then trying to connect that, like that continent with this continent—you know, North America with the, mm-hmm. with the, the South Asian co- continent—just putting them together in a more international kind of uh, audience, because like this, this type of representation seems to be growing a lot more. Yeah, and yeah. I. And I, I, I'm I, trying to relate it in a sense to why, why you're going into directing as in like you're trying to create your own type of representation.
1: Yeah. Well, I think for me, like obviously I'm a white woman, but for me, the representation is female characters, right? So like yeah. every job that I, everything that I've directed thus far, the genres are different, the stories are different, but I'm such a character-driven actor and I'm a character-driven director. Like, uh, or storyteller for me, the through line is these like really interesting female characters mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. are uh, you know well-rounded, very real um, whether they're good or bad uh, people um, And so for me that is is my my push for um, representation. It's like just showing, just, just having more women on screen in a way that is, like, you know, interesting.
3: <laughs> what are the, like, the personality traits? <laughs> <you>? <laughs> and what are, like, the personality traits that you like to put into your female the, characters? The ones especially that, the, for you to, you know, act in?
1: Sure. Um, I mean, I, I tend to, looking back at a lot of the characters that I have, uh, uh, the projects that i've directed with characters i like women who kind of stand unapologetically in their truth mm-hmm. um women who stand for something and and whether it's good or evil like you can relate <laughs> because mm-hmm. you know like you think about do you guys watch ozark uh, so
3: it's on my list ozark. i still haven't watched it yet. Yes.
1: okay so kind of a bad example if you don't know it but but basically (laughs) Jason Bateman his Mm -hmm. character um he does bad shit like he does really bad (laughs) shit but Mm -hmm. he does it for the better and the like the goodness and the protection of his family right Mm -hmm. so like there's he's so humanized because you can you can really relate to it. You're like, oh, this guy's like not doing some good things, but you understand why and right. you you get it and it's like, oh, it makes it kind of okay. Mm-hmm. Um, those types of characters really right. interest me. Like you know? the, the, so, the you line know, you game. So you try to flip the script and make it a woman. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Like the line game where it is um, it's pretty cool that it's pretty complicated and there are different, you know, it's about people who are liars, but they're also trying to, it's for a reason. Everyone has their own reasons to have their own secrets, and I
2: yeah. think you know
0: you're pretty right. You're spot on about that. That you know a lot of times you see uh, women that are you know perfect in Hollywood, and they try to do it that way, which is great, obviously. But it would be cool to see some like more character actors and
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: women play those too.
1: Um, yeah, and it's starting to change. It's happening. Like there, it's changing. Like um, I'm I'm directing my first feature next oh, uh, this fall. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> yeah.
2: How oh, cool. And uh, let's go. <laughs>
1: And it's a it's a female heist movie set in the '90s in West Texas. So it's a little bit of a western. It's mm-hmm. like action, and it's you know obviously there's like a heist involved, but there's really strong, really like badass female characters. Now granted, there's there's really interesting men as well. Like mm-hmm. that's the other thing. I you know I'm 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 an equal opportunist. Like I don't, I don't want everything <laughs> to be all women. Like I don't mm-hmm. think that's equality. Um, so there's some really cool male characters in there as so well. So not like, like Ocean
3: 8 uh, type? Um, no, 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 no. <laughs> um,
1: no, but yeah. yeah so those care like I and the reason that I love that script is because of the two female leads.
0: How oh, cool. Okay. I mean, yeah. you know, I was just going to ask you about that because you said you want to direct for TV, but now says you want to direct for, for film. So just for you, just for, you want to direct.
3: Uh, I want
1: to do it all. You want
3: to do it all <laughs> really branching out you know it's like all the opportunities i want to take them.
2: <laughs> yeah hey no how cool no
0: i mean if you're you know making your own path how cool.
2: i mean i
3: can't wait for yeah. you know your film. Uh, you know it's it's interesting when you were talking about uh, the ozark example and like those are those kind of characters are definitely very interesting because they're people who you know they're not usually you don't find them in the common world where just like they are willing to be like that the anti-hero you know like mm-hmm. yeah for example uh from from marvel i know there's like the punisher but uh so would you say you believe in the there's this quote I, I forgot how it goes exactly but it's like the the actions like uh ali i don't know if you can help me with this but like the the deeds explain the outcome or something like that i know it's along those lines mm-hmm. i have no I idea it's a very common one. It's like when people when people say is like uh the results are basically the the they like justify the the actions. Mm. Yeah, so justifies the means. Right. Yeah, the ends yeah, the ends justify the means. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't <laughs> you know, know if you're so it sounds like your character kind of like uh relates to that uh that quote.
1: Yeah, but I think like that's what we are as humans, right? Like I I was listening I don't know who it was. Was it Jared Leto? Somebody was talking about. Maybe it wasn't Jared Leto, but it was. It was a recent interview where they were like, "When you're." Oh no! It was it was Jacob Elordi,
2: <laughs> the guy from
1: Euphoria. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching. How <laughs> cool! Yeah. Do you guys ever watch that show? Um, uh, Hot ones where they eat chicken wings. Yeah, awesome. yes, of that's course. Kind of I of love course. that show. Yeah, okay, so fun. I was I was watching it with Jacob Elordi, and he was saying that. Um, that when you play a villain, like oh, nine times out of 10, like some people are just evil and they know they're evil, but when well, villains don't know they're villains oftentimes.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. and so They probably have like a psychological issue.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or just like they, because they believe that what they're doing or what they believe in or what their end is mm-hmm. is, is not evil or is not bad. Um, how would they know that they're a villain, you know? Or how would they know that they're hurting people sometimes? Um, granted, like you need some self awareness, but, <laughs> but I, I definitely think that there's something to that where it's like, oftentimes, like sometimes people just don't don't know that what they're doing is is not, you know,
0: mm-hmm. necessarily I think- great. A good villain character is so rare and also so good. When you see a good villain character in a show yeah. or a movie, it's kind of perfect.
1: Um, well, they're humans too, right? So like they too. have, they have their their goals and like why they do what they do. It's not just to be an asshole.
0: <laughs> Pretty much, and that's what makes it <laughs> interesting: it's the the philosophy aspect of it. You know? Yeah. Um, but I know we're wrapping up on time, so I do want to ask you uh, real quick. So advice for uh, young actors: you said move out here. <laughs> and um you been to it so uh, go do something do you- else no go do- <laughs> 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 this
1: is this is not the industry for you guys
3: <laughs> like that
1: um no I would say and this is what I always say it's like if you want to be an actor that's awesome but like you have to really really love it um because there's a lot of sacrifice there's a lot of heartbreak there's a lot of rejection um and so if you, if there's other things that you can do, go do those. Yeah. <laughs> but like, oftentimes people are like, no, all I want to do is be an actor and that's beautiful and that's great. And so work hard and, um, you know, find a way to make supplementary I- income. <laughs> that's a big mm-hmm. one. I always think about this. I'm like, damn, if I, if I could do it all over again, I would have learned to trade. So, like, when I'm not acting, I can just be doing the trade. and that's like my paycheck. Um, because hmm. it's also really hard too, when you have to audition and like you have to be open to audition, right? So like that's why that's why actors a lot of times are are waiters or, you know, because they they work nights. and so their day is open to audition. It's a little different now because like you put stuff on tape and so, you know, you, you have a little more freedom and a little more leeway. You can work during the day. But for the longest time, like you, you couldn't work a full-time job because you had to be able to have the freedom to go audition. So like the response to that is, so then what else can you do that's maybe not waiting tables? That's like a trade or something that can help supplement that income. You know a lot of people now influence so like that's their sub <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: but but yeah
1: that, yeah that is one thing i'm like shit i should have like been an esthetician and like just like you know gone to beauty school and then like been able to work at a spa and give people facials like, like on my <laughs> off time just to make money you mm-hmm. know what i mean
2: yeah
0: great advice <laughs> love to love to hear that man. <laughs> Um, it's practical you
1: know, okay it's pragmatic <laughs> and
0: uh very you know i just uh, also want to you know give you a shout out alexander because i know you've been involved in a lot of like charity work and you know um you know taking using your uh acting and um to shine a light on different um causes and um thank you for doing that because i know a lot of actors don't do that <laughs> and so um how cool and um uh, nice best of luck with uh, um, your movie <laughs> and thank getting you. into oh. directing and um, yeah thank you very much for coming on the podcast yeah um, thank
1: you guys it was I'll, nice to meet you and chat with you
3: I can't wait to see your next villain character that you want to create <laughs> <laughs> you'll see her <laughs> she's in my
1: movie <laughs>
0: right. um, well this is another episode of Into to the show how uh, cool uh, um Alexander, thank you so much for your time. You know, thank check you. out the stuff. We're going to leave everything link in bio. All right. Adios. Good to see you. Thanks for coming on the show. See you, Saeed. So to the camera. And adios.